What's up, y'all? I'm Otil. And I'm Mike. And we are on Patreon. Get on the bus, you guys. Get your bus pass. We put out an additional episode every week where we answer questions from you. Or sometimes we may just get off on a tangent about something important or cool that happened that day or a couple days ago. Yeah, it's Otil and I catching up and you are invited. So if you head to patreon.com slash comes a time pod, uh, you can join us. Uh, you can get the bus pass. We have some incredible merch coming soon. Uh, we've got a lot of great surprises. So uh, we would love to have you guys head on over. Yes. Most of all, we want to connect with you. So uh, get on the bus, y'all. Welcome back to Come to Time, everyone. Hey, we had a uh, fun one. We had a comedian friend of mine, the very talented Ophira Eisenberg, on the show. And uh, it's a blast, huh, Otiel? Yeah, she is quick. I'm not going to yeah. ruin it, but she came up with one that's definitely <laughs> going to make our list of uh, when we do our podcast about our favorite moments of every episode. This one was off the top of her head. I'm pretty sure. Mm. Wow. She's funny. She's great. And she's someone who, uh, she's the host for a, quite a while of NPR's uh, comedy quiz show, Ask Me Another, which super fun. If you've never listened to it, Oteal, it's a really cool listen on, uh, you can find it on podcast networks. And uh, it was like a companion to me for late night drives. Like it was you're, like you're able to kind of play along and, you know, they, they ask questions that are phrased in a real comedic fashion. And, uh, she's such an incredible host. And when she, whenever we would have shows together in the city, I was always so happy to see her come into the room cause she's just got a really great energy and she's very captivating on stage and just a cool person to hang with off stage. So I'm really happy she joined us today on the pod. Me too. I hope we get to hang with her in person. I mean, that's a, I could say that about a lot of people that have come on the podcast, but I had that feeling, I had that feeling today, like, yeah, I'd love to sit down with her at the table at the yeah. Gotham Comedy. At Gotham or like, the Cellar it, or something. Yeah, yeah totally. Like, well, we'll do it. And uh, everybody, enjoy this episode. Thank you for being with us for yet another uh, fun, fun chat. You can find us at Patreon at patreon.com slash comes a time pod. Oteil and I release a uh, episode each week, a bonus episode. Um, also, we're here on the Osiris Network, home to tons of phenomenal podcasts. So check out all of those at OsirisPod.com. Thank you, Ophira. And uh, enjoy this episode, everyone. Stay safe. We love you. Hey, Osiris listeners. We want to tell you about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD who support this show. Sunset Lake CBD is a Vermont hemp farm crafting affordable CBD products designed to help with sleep and stress without breaking the bank. If you haven't tried CBD before, take it from me, it's a game changer. I use Sunset Lake's tincture every night before I go to bed, helping me get solid, restful sleep. And their gummies are great for daytime. Check out their new Good Vibes gummies, which have just a bit of hemp-derived THC to help you relax and unwind. Sunset Lake CBD crafts products with hemp grown on their family farm and ships them directly to customers. They have tinctures, salves, edibles, coffee, smokables, and even pet products. By the way, their CBD chocolate fudge is awesome. Check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code TIME 
for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. Welcome to the podcast, Ophira Eisenberg. Thanks. How are you? You know, I'm good getting by every day. Uh, I think when, you know, I've never enjoyed waking up. I will say that. I've never been a fan. Makes you such a good comic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but right now when you wake up, you're like, it's a brand new day. It's like a threat, honestly. It sure is. <laughs> it's like, ah, it's a brand new day. What now? So, you know, it's so funny that and I think O'Teal and I have such a like a, a, a funny friendship that started on him coming. We did we did our pot, my podcast, my old podcast and instantly connected on like spiritual stuff and, you know, otherworldly things and how that really is what's what matters. And this morning we were having a conversation and I feel like we have to are things are you at all feeling the weirdness up there in the, like, cause I woke up this morning with the, oh yeah, things are totally off kilter today. And then I saw a text chain with our engineer, Eric and O'Teal just going off about stuff. And I'm like, oh, yep. Everyone's feeling it. So we'll ask you, are you feeling it? <laughs> yeah. Well, look, so, um, I guess this is, this is pertinent just because is it okay to talk about today? Like today is today or is today tomorrow in your podcast or is tomorrow last week or does it matter? Wow. Doesn't matter. It, uh, I mean, today's the 5th of January we're recording this. Today's That's the cool. 5th of January. Yeah. So obviously I think there's from the United States point of view, there is a collective feeling that there is more decided on the fate of the country today. So that's been that like hanging over. Then there is the fact that anytime you get excited about the vaccine, there are about 3000 think pieces and other news outlets that will tell you that to think that you will get it distributed to you anytime before, I don't know, a gazillion years from now is you being a hilarious, innocent, naive. So like, so my point, I guess my point is that everything is out of kilter because every time you want to be like, it's going to be okay. Everyone's like, no, it's not. <laughs> so, it's... Uh, so the more you try to find it, the more you have to, I guess, get very internal and Buddhist and, and just be like, I have to be happy with myself. Oh, God, I, I did not get into stand up to do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Totally not. have none of those tools. I have none of those tools. None whatsoever. I think that's what uh, this time is. It's like forcing people to like find them or sink, you know? Yeah. And I say that as a, you know, as one of the gang that's trying to stay afloat, you know? It's hard. It's really hard. But I've seen a lot of people sink and, uh, I don't blame them, man. It's a tough time. It's yeah. a tough time to like face your deepest fears, you know? Every last one. Yeah. I mean, that is if you're right, let's just do the baseline. If you're lucky enough to have your health and if you're lucky enough to have like your basic needs met, you're still feeding yourself, then you can, you know, reflect on the rest of your demons. Uh, uh, but, you know, I was, I was talking to a few other comics, Mike, before 
before the new year, I was doing a podcast with a few comics. I was like a moderator. It was very formal. And it was all about like supposed to be like a witty, hilarious goodbye send off to 2020, you know, joke around how how the dumpster fire and how we're all sick of our partners or our marriages or living alone or blah, blah, blah. And then it came to me asking just, you know, would you take anything you've learned during like, let's say the light at the end of the tunnel is getting closer and it's becoming a spotlight soon again of you on stage like is there anything you're going to take from this time and bring and the mood totally changed and everyone got uh including myself really um really heartfelt and said like listen i realized i was running around ragged in a way chasing something that kind of doesn't exist <laughs> And here's all the different ways I used to hide the fact that I needed this by being busy with this. Uh, and I guess I was a little surprised that no one, I think we have this maybe archetype of like the only positive icon is the machine, the work machine. You're like, you know, especially in stand-up, the road dog, like that person, oh my, they're doing a million projects. I don't know how they sleep. They stay up all night and they get up early and they write it's all this content. Uh, and I and I felt like nobody was saying, that's what I want <laughs> going <laughs> forward. They're no. like, I want to work, but I don't want to do that. It's like no, those that's... deathbed, you know, when, you, when they interview people and they're you see the vast majority of things that people say when they know they're going to die. Like, what do you wish you had did, right. done differently? It's always, I wish I had more time with my kid. I've taken more time with my kids, spouse, fam, you know, relationships, like all that stuff. Nobody ever says, man, I wish I just hustled a little more. Right. And, you know. <laughs> I really replied to all my emails. Good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I just could so have fit one more gig. <laughs> I sleep where I work. Yeah, it's um that's that's very true. And you know, it's funny, we talk quite a bit about, you know, O'Teal comes from, you know, now with the debt with Dead and Company, but the Almond Brothers, their their quote, their their kind of mantra was like the road goes on forever. Right? The road goes on forever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and think about comedy. Comedy was like I mean, it's all of that like I remember looking at the calendar. And if there were, you know, if I was looking at a three month chunk and two thirds of the weekends were full, the only ones that looked up at me were the one third that weren't full. And it's like, why haven't you filled those? How, what can you do? Who haven't you reached out to? Why can't that, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's time. And then you get there and you're on those road weekends and all you want to do is be home. All you want to do. Right. You're like, how much money would, could I pay someone? <laughs> like I'm getting paid a thousand. Could, would I pay someone that much or double to do this right now? <laughs> yeah. You know, and then, and then there's other, I would, um, I miss hotel rooms in a weird way, even though I, yeah, in a weird way, I think like 20 minutes in one, I'll be like, oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> My yeah. wife does. That's for sure. She's like, if I don't get out of here and uh, I'm like, Hey, I'm fine without the hotel room. Because <laughs> we've yeah. lived half your life in them. <laughs> yeah, there's something about, well, yeah, I have a little kid at home. And so sometimes there's just the feeling, I, I, you know what? I would just take an extra room. 
But I know in, in New York, that is that is too big of an ask. I'm just going to yeah. say right now, that is too big of an ask. <laughs> when, when was the last time you, um, when was your last onstage uh, performance? Well, could we count onstage as a piece of grass or a yes. rooftop? Rooftop. Okay, fair enough. Rooftop. Rooftop. So the last one I did was in actually in early December, I did a rooftop. Uh, and then right after that, I was, uh, I, there was a possibility that I was exposed. So then I did not leave my house for two weeks. Fun, I bet. <laughs> at, trapped at home and paranoid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was not at the outdoor show, it, just to be clear. Um, it's, I mean, I think I am no scientist. Please, none of your listeners start coming at me. Uh, but uh, I, I do those outdoor shows when you're like distanced from everybody and you're outdoors on a roof and everyone's wearing a mask and you uh, take off your mask briefly to speak into the darkness. Uh, seems pretty safe. I mean, <laughs> it's, you know it's safe when you feel dead inside. That's how you know. <laughs> comedy that's the comedy hug <laughs> the comedy hug <laughs> <laughs> emptiness inside <laughs> yeah that's how you know everyone's Ouch. fine everyone's fine um but i that's you know hilarious. i have to say those i those outdoor shows the imperfect wildly imperfect have, did you have you done some of them i did uh i did a couple of things i i march 13th was the last like uh city show that yes. I did at the cellar and I packed up and got the hell out. Yeah. I think we were actually, we were remember? on the same show. Yeah. That's when we had the microphones were in a bucket in a and bucket. they were getting sprayed by with Lysol and handed off with a gloved hand. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did our Nothing stuff else. And- I mean, it's so funny because that was cool, but we had no idea what we were dealing with. So that like in the grand scheme of things, looking back meant nothing, <laughs> nothing, nothing that felt like, you know what it felt like we were going to walk out of the club and then everyone was going to be looking down the street and it was like twister when like all the dust is just coming barreling down the street. But, uh, after that, I didn't do much until well, I didn't do anything until like probably July. I did an, uh, Yarmouth drive-in, um, with Sal from the impractical jokers, the show I work yeah. on. And we did a show out there, which was boy, let me tell you the delivering, setups that were archaic from like, Oh, I was at the airport oh the God. other day. No, you weren't. <laughs> I was at a coffee shop. No, you weren't. Every, no jokes worked. And I, I didn't want to get up and be like, Hey guys, are you as scared as I am about death now? Like, huh? How's your demons? What? <laughs> and so, okay, okay. So it sounds, we kind of did the same thing because I did nothing after March until about July. And uh, this is, you know, either call me, pathetic for this or you can call me a hustler is that I, I actually was upstate in an airbnb because i left new york because i was very concerned for both me uh and my husband and my little kid so we spent all the money we had on an airbnb for a couple months <laughs> uh and then i noticed in the area there was a drive-in doing a stand-up gig in July. And I basically texted one of the comics that I knew on the show and said, I know this sounds crazy, but do you think I could do a free guest spot on that drive-in gig? 
<laughs> you are serious. <laughs> and they said, uh, probably. And so then all of a sudden I drove an hour to do the, the guest spot on the driving gig. And it was, it was just so humbling on so many levels. Just first to do a driving gig was humbling because people are far away and in their cars. And, the, and this, if they, go ahead. This was before the etiquette of uh, don't beep. Don't beep Beeping is alarming, but even the flashing of the headlights is basically, you know, if I in the car, that's usually danger, 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 or like, you know, your muffler has fallen off, or you're you're doing something wrong. Stop texting in front of me while driving. <laughs> yeah, and I proceeded. Right, I felt the same thing that I was just like. You know, every every um, joke had a premise of. Do you remember? <laughs> like, I was some some act that just refused to write new jokes. Uh, and then there were other things that were in context, and I wasn't sure where people would feel like to joke around about masks or hand sanitizer or that you know the the future seemed dire and the past was far away. Uh, but more than that, I couldn't believe how much of the muscle I had lost. Like I was tripping on words. Yeah. At one point, I, I think I said, how much time has passed? Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know, was it an hour? Was it, it was like being on an acid trip. I was like, was that five minutes or two hours? <laughs> no idea. You're like, oh no, it was five minutes. <laughs> it's like yeah. that, it's like that thing like at a, like in big, at the end of big, when you're just a little kid in a huge suit. And you just feel uncomfortable and you're like, how long do I have to stand here in front of everybody? It was just so weird. And so like I used to wear this suit, but it just doesn't fit anymore. It's very weird. I yeah, felt the and same then I, thing. Uh, and then I came home. My husband said, well, how did it go? And I said, I have no idea. No idea. Maybe it was fine. Maybe it was atrocious. I have no idea. <laughs> But when you're trying to gauge by like comedy sign language, like flashing lights and you know, it's like yeah. And you know what else too? There's there's two thoughts to that. Um the people, if you asked them, they were like they'd probably be like, it was incredible because they wanted to leave the house too. You know what right. I mean? That's right. Nobody was there because no one was forced to be there. That's no, there's for sure. no right, exactly. And second, and and this is something, Ophira, that we've talked about with a couple other comics, I think, on the pod, but you didn't have a ch If you bomb in New York, 10 minutes later, a half hour later, a day later, you could go wash the bomb off with a good set. You bomb during a pandemic at a drive-in, you wear that stink on you for months. You know what I mean? Like I have. Oh, yeah. It's just insane how you're like, that this is who I am. Since I don't know who I am, I've completely lost my identity. So every tiny morsel I get will be my complete identity. That's what it so is. This is who I am now. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. It is such a, uh, yeah. And then, and then you do a Zoom show, uh, which is what we call them. You could use other platforms, but you do a Zoom show uh, and they go, hey, I, get, I just got to tell you ahead of time. I mean, this is, this is the worst case scenario. We can't unmute people and blah, blah, blah. So then you play to people's names on black screens. Oh, uh, man. Which That's is fun. A, and your own face. That is, it's like an existential breakdown. <laughs> Mike, uh, Mike takes his face off of the Zoom. I can't like, see you're myself You're seeing right him, now. but he can't see Because I started, I realized after a while, I was like, I can't, I'm like, why does this feel so uncomfortable? I'm like, oh, because I'm staring at me. 
Yeah. I hate the way my face moves when I talk. I hate the way that I'm looking down at things. I can't take it. I can't take it. Yeah. It took me a while to figure that out. Yeah. For a while, I was like, there's got to be that function. And then, oh, yeah, I was like, oh, it's very easy. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) I just never look at me. I'm always looking at one of you and... uh, I'll look at me every once in a while and make sure (laughs) our last podcast we did with Don was was yesterday. I walk in the room literally five minutes before the podcast. There's 15 mosquitoes, most of them on the (laughs) ceiling. And I'm like, I go to my wife. I'm like, honey, sorry to interrupt you. I need your help right now. So we're just like going around killing mosquitoes and the whole podcast one's going like this you know and i'm oh. wondering is it on can they see it and then it gets on me fine I just go like that <laughs> you know it's just like <laughs> ah! yeah that's the one thing that tripped me up but normally i just look at you guys and just check and make sure well, that's the critic going look at yourself you ugly dummy <laughs> <laughs> i mean i remember a long time ago um doing a new year's eve show with some comics and one of them did mushrooms early on <laughs> in the night to make it more fun, I suppose. Uh, terrifying. This is a terrifying combination in my mind. And then he did a set. It actually seemed fine, totally lucid. And then afterwards, I was like, how was it? And he was like, I saw myself in the audience. <laughs> He did a lot. Yeah, and he he claimed that he had his arms crossed and was just shaking his head back at him in disdain. And I remember thinking that that is, I mean, that is everything you need to know about how comics brains works and like worst case scenario. And now we have that. without even mushrooms we we don't even need the mushrooms it's it's great it's great Uh, but you know I wonder I do wonder what it's going to feel like when we do have it back because it will happen I don't know when but it's going to happen in our lifetime I'll say that much has to I I, I mean it absolutely has to music's different music I think is something that can be on a larger grander scale which in turn can be safer do you know what I mean like you can I, I, I could see going to a concert before going to a comedy club really yeah absolutely I feel like absolutely. the big gigs where you have to have like with Dead and Company, you know, we play like forty thousand. Like getting that many people, it's I feel like your risk is just exponential, you know. But I get it. No, you're I, you're thinking because it's indoors and confined. Yeah, like in and a, I'm just in thinking a basement in New York. That's get one bathroom. That's that's that's, that's oh. the scary stuff. Oh God! Yeah, but right. think about the bathroom at a stadium. Okay, so there's like fifteen thousand people that went through that one bathroom. That's a lot of germs. It's a lot of, I don't know. Who knows? I also think you can, not ideal, but you can put a band on a platform raised, you know, 20 feet in the sky, or you could have like an orchestra pit or a dance floor in between you and them and have a sense of the horn is not blowing spit on me. Yeah. Very but true. that is, I mean, it, that that and that will be what stand up is probably for a while. Like it's everything that we've all fought against to be like, no, this every private gig that you and I have ever done where you turn uh, to the organizer and go, listen, I'm going to tell you how to set this room up to succeed. And you go through the whole list. No space between me and the audience. Move everyone up. Crowd them together. Lower the lights. Why is the ceiling so high? Yeah, all of that removed. 
Get it out of there. (laughs) I want to be in a penalty box in another town. (laughs) You know, a bunch of friends of mine have played some of those drive-in shows. I didn't actually do it myself, but uh, I think they felt kind of the same way. It's not as bad because you don't need the immediate like punchline laugh feedback, you know, but I think it's still that separation because we're like the you know the hippie audience so it's all like uh, (laughs) everybody yeah dancing and yeah Yeah, although otl i will tell you something i no longer need immediate feedback it's been taken (laughs) away from me i don't i'm so weirdly comfortable with no immediate feedback it's crazy so that's actually going to make it better when you come back right because your confidence level has got to like increase from that, right? You get something for that, right? Don't you? You know what? I will tell you. So if I, I have thought about upsides, I'm in a, am I an optimist? I'm really not. So I have no idea where these occasional sparks of hope come from. Uh, you're you're but... a pleasure to run into. You make you you brighten the when we're on shows together, and I see you walk in the door. I'm like yes, because you're always smiling and happy somehow. That's very nice. So. Yeah, it's not it's not how I feel. Just so you know, but that's obvious. Um, I've thought of you know when I walk into a comedy club, I often make wild assumptions about everybody. And usually those assumptions are not in my favor. It's usually about how they won't like me because uh, those people seem a little too drunk. And those people seem like they would probably be into this style of humor. And I'm not that style of humor. And those people, I make all these subjects. I watch the first act and go like, uh, and I, I work myself up. That's been taken from me. I can't, I, there's no way to read anything. There's no reading anything. Gone. Oh. So you just go, well, here it is. It's me and that's all I got. <laughs> So th- I think that's a positive. Yeah. The the other positive is, you know, they do say sell it like you're killing. Yeah. That's yeah. like a comedy thing. Just like who knows? Who knows? But sell it like you're killing. Uh, and I think there is there's a lot of that that has to happen right now. You kind of have to go for it in a weird way. So. Have you thought at all about, and I don't know whether or not, I felt like I was getting to a point where I was starting to be okay at comedy. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I was just starting to get some gigs and I was like, well, I guess this means something. Exactly. I was like, I think I might be doing okay at this now. Just okay. I, I still hated 98% of everything that came out of my mouth. But it, now I feel like when we do come back, you know, like I really want to have something to say. Like, that's the thing that I kind of, I don't want to go back up with just my, you know, coffee shop joke or, you know, 23 and me take, I I, want to have something to, I want to talk about. I think that what I've realized is the only thing that is topical proof is if, if you dig deeper into here, like if you go into your heart and you talk about you and your past and your insecurities and your whatever, there's so many stories that I want to tell. Yeah. That I think I'm finally like, I don't know. I feel like we're going to be on borrowed time after this as like, I'm, I'm excited to just have the opportunity to get up again. Yeah, it will be. I mean, I'm excited to get up again and just be able to kind of pound it out in that same way where you're just like, I have this idea of something I want to throw out there. Let's see what this is about. 
And, you know, I was just saying, sell like you're killing, but there's also something so in, uh, so intoxicating about feedback, even if it's negative, because it does, you go, oh, I need to change that. Oh, this is slow. This doesn't make any sense. They, I lost them, you know, and then you, you improve because you are taking it and fixing things as you go. And that ability to work on something and hone it and change it. And, that. and that moment where you, where you like, you're like, I, I got it. Like I got one part of it. That line is the line, you know, that's, that's, that's the puzzle so, part of it that, yeah, I really miss too. That's, you know, when your brain is like excited. Othiel's been reading uh, Born Standing Up. Oh, yeah. Or listening, listening, right? Yeah, oh. audiobook. And what do you think? Oh, I love it. I mean, yeah. the very first part of it, I was like, oh, Mike, this is so you, <laughs> you know, and every comic, you know, but uh, I really, because uh, Steve Martin's reading it himself, so I really dig that part to like hearing him tell his own story but yeah it's great so many parallels I, I didn't really it, just so many things that you know people's success comes in so many different ways like I never thought like getting a gig at Disney like he was so psyched for that gig you know it didn't pay anything but it was a gig and you know like all that yeah there's just so many things about it. you're like wow they're just like us you know they're and Nails I was just, it. oh no, go ahead, Ophir. Sorry. Oh, I was just thinking, like you know, when he used to do some, like just like gaggy, ridiculous stuff, yeah. which was just so, um, like you know, you could say, like it was, yeah, props and all, and the arrow, and uh, and it's totally not how we think of him now. Oh, I kind of right? do think of him with the rabbit ears and the mm. arrow through the head and the banjo. Yeah, I don't know. Banjo you know, for sure. I, I I thought it was cool that that carried through like the really dumb, dumbest, most derivative stuff. Like he kept some of that, you know. Yeah. Cause like because, but I remember goofy. all the original, like original Saturday Night Live and updating and now myself. he's like rom com with Alec Baldwin type stuff. Oh my god! <laughs> so oh, what's that? Right. Oh, don't tell me. I mean, the best part, it's amazing that like in reading that book in particular, he nails in the foreword, he somehow in like a couple sentences, Ophira nails exactly how we feel. He says like comedy is the ego's last stand. And he says how like, you know, you're in the moment, you're releasing words while they're reacting to the last thing that you said. And you're already thinking about what the next thing is going to be all at once where you can't, no one else does that. And and no. and no and no nor should you. <laughs> I mean, it's just a it's a character flaw. But we, <laughs> but I actually know some people that do do that. <laughs> they're those people, you know, they're the kind of on stage all the time. Now, I mean, in a negative way, and it is oh, a character yeah. flaw. But they've also become very successful too. So it's part of their. What well, I don't know. It's all weird. You know, and, and you could say it's because I, I don't. I'm not a good chess player. So, but there's like, uh, you know, chess players talk about this sort of strategic thing where you're always a few steps ahead and you could say, but it, I feel like Stab's very different than that because you're also, uh, you're making a, I, I mean, I do, I make adjustments all the time or I go like, oh, well, here we go. Like, I'll, I'll be like, to. oh, the, I'm, I have the long story coming up. Like, I hope I don't, do they have enough? I'm still finishing last joke. And I'm like, do they have enough of an attention for the story? Like I'm asking myself that, you know, it's, it's like the, the critic always trying to silence the critic, I suppose, but the critic is also 
just who part of it. Like you were constantly taking this feedback and filtering it in through all this like critical journey of just like, okay, yeah, this is good. That is not, here we go. Uh, and then the few times where you just let go of that because you're getting, you're getting the, you know, the dialogues happening. You're in the zone with the audience and you just, that's the freedom, right? That's when you're like, oh yeah, all of this all the time. Oh no, we're back to drunk person, table two, drunk person, table two. Great. All right. Back <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you for thank you, Anchor, for not letting me fly away. Oh, I have to tell you that. So the, I think it was the second show I did back was at another drive-in, but they had seating for people if they walked in. And that made it a little bit better because there was some seating, but still raid stage. And as much as we forgot how maybe how to do this all because we were out of practice i also felt like audiences did not know how to be audiences like they were out of practice nobody knew how to interact with a live setting so yeah. they were all like gangling around and the the show is starting and i'm just watching what's going on and within 10 minutes i was like oh some things will last throughout any pandemic in any time because someone was trying to get a drink someone else was finishing a text i mean there's only three tables in the front and then a uh unhinged woman carrying a six pack of victory ale ambled up to the last empty table and sat down and started yelling out and you're like you made it the drunk lady in the front row has made it everybody she's made it through the decades she's made it through the covid she makes it through anything <laughs> he's like god Amazing. and then she quantum leaps to the next thing and ruins <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. it <laughs> i needed somewhere else my work here is done <laughs> oh my God. You know, something you said makes me uh, yeah. it makes me wonder. I always have this question in my mind: Is there some, like you say, the critic is all part of it? Is there a use for the critic? Like, do we just need to have the critic be into submission? Like, only you know, like in twelve step programs, they say you know, shame is only good to the point where it makes you stop what you're doing. Like past that, then it's just like. It's bad. Right. right. So I'm like, is the critic good for, is the critic the same one that's analyzing everything? He's just doing it too much and doing it too negatively? Or should we just kill the critic and somebody else is doing that? Yeah. I mean, I aspire to killing the critic. But uh, because probably because we all suffer from too much of it. <laughs> yeah, Totally. <laughs> Mine, mine wakes me up in the morning like you're you're sleeping late get up <laughs> yeah, wrong by the Already way let me down today <laughs> hey there osiris listeners i wanted to tell you about our friends over at smart wool for more than 25 years smart wool has been making merino wool socks and apparel designed to keep you comfortable because they want to help you play laugh and explore in the outdoors with every thread they knit and every step you take because they believe that comfort sharpens focus and lets you perform beyond your limits. They are here to help you feel good. Now, it's up to you how far you will go. Take 15% off of your first order at smartwool.com. Smartwool. Go far, feel good. But uh, I do, you know, I don't, I can't, I, 
I grew up in Canada and I started stand up in Canada. And I don't know if they use this term here, which is something I was always afraid of for stand ups. Laugh ears. Do you ever use that term here? Laugh ears? 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 Yeah, laugh ears. And oh. it was it, it was a uh, derogatory. It's a it was an insult to a comic that only hear like every time they tell a joke, they hear laughs that don't exist. It was like, oh, you have laugh ears like you are oblivious to what this really is oh. and how that was a real negative. So I think if you don't have the critic, then you get laugh ears, which just means like you're not even, uh, you know, it must, the feeling of that confidence must be fantastic. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is bliss. bliss. Unless other but, people have to listen to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I don't know if it works. I don't know if it uh, works. What does that feel like? <laughs> but that's what like I get at. It's like, is it just a, is that the polarity that discerns? Like you got to have some of it. You have to have a bit of it. But then you got to be like, hey, you're getting carried away. You've been getting carried away for a long time. Right. It's like if every every journal, if you wrote a journal, you know, of your thoughts and you're like, this is actually a best-selling book. Now, for some people, it did turn into a best-selling book. But is every journal a best-selling book? Probably not. Mine isn't. Mine isn't either. (laughs) Mine just says, write a better journal. Write a better journal. (laughs) Oh, my God. The journal critic. Uh, Oh, God. The journal critic is like, (laughs) I won't eat as much pen. (laughs) (laughs) Your writing is ridiculous. No one can read that. I can't even read your. (laughs) You should use a pencil, you dummy. (laughs) I guess we'll give you a mark for the date. You know, Otiel, that's a, it's a, we talk about that quite a bit and I'm, I'm interested in that too with comedy. And I started to think about during this hiatus kind of that's been forced on us about like, if I've ever really felt like a joke was complete, like there's Mm. always with the music I love and with the making every show just a little bit different for my own sanity, you know? Um, I try to leave things a little bit loose when I'm tying that, but you know, when I'm double knotting the end of that joke, I try to leave a little bit just in case I need to untie it quick and go in a direction that the audience or the moment takes. But that critic, I don't know. There was a, a quote recently I saw that's like, you know, that you, you, you critic, the thing that bothers you is the thing that you care about the most. Right. So if you're like a crit, you're criticizing yourself or whatever, there's, there's beating the hell out of yourself for no reason. And then there's really caring about your craft. And I, I have to hope, I have to believe that it's two separate animals. I have to believe the critic because the critic was there way before stand up. Right. You know what I mean? Like the critic's been there. I feel like the critic was like there, at, at, you know, with the doctor, you know, at delivery time and was like, oh, my new vessel and dove in, you know? <laughs> It's, I, I've, that's I've had it how since. you were delivered. That's yeah. how you come into the world. Yeah, that's, that's right. how you that's did right. it. You stink. <laughs> Look what you did to your mom. Look what you yes, did yeah. to your mom is right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I mean, it's it, I, that's why I think about how. And I, now you asked earlier if I had done any other shows. I had the chance. Dave Attell asked me to do a couple of shows with him, and that was a blast because I love Dave, and I was able to just go as like support 
and, and little by little, that was like in that weird, the, the glory, the, the beautiful times of last year where we had a dip in cases in the yeah. summer yeah. and people were able to do some things. I got to do a couple shows with them and it was just like, I forced myself going into it, like treat this like it's the last gig you're ever going to have because it might be, you know, yeah. and, and it felt like that. And I remember looking at my set, like, I love these jokes. I love this material. I'm going to deliver it. I'm going to deliver it like I'm killing, like you said. And that felt great. Those I came out of it like, okay, now I'm doing this as like, it's an honor and it's a privilege to be able to even have a crowd to talk to right now. You know, that felt good. That's how it is all the time. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, that's how it is all the time, really. Right. Isn't it just a false sense of like, oh, I could do I mean, in New York. I'm sure it's easy because you can run around the corner and do another one. But I I try to I'm not good at it, but I try to do that every time. Like, what if you get hit by a car after this? Mm-hmm. Really? No, it's yeah. not your last one. You know, unfortunately, our human condition and probably because we thankfully lead pretty um, safe lives. In, you know, with the exception of a, dealing with a global pandemic, I think all this like live like it's your last day thing is very hard to conceptualize when you're not doing it. Like you sort of have a sense of it, it's like, oh, that means I should take risks. That means I shouldn't care. That means I should honor this. But then the like, you know, what you're saying, Mike, I felt that way too, just with like, as soon as things are actually being taken away from you, you're like, oh, oh, oh no, now the feeling now it's starting to like resonate in a real way. Now this isn't just sort of, you know, a, an embroidered slogan on a pillow. Like yeah, this not, is yeah. starting to feel like something. Uh, and I don't know, cause I thought the same thing too, just doing a rooftop gig in early December. Cause it was getting cold. The numbers were going up and it was after Thanksgiving, which was uh, also just like things were getting bad. And it just felt like it's all going away again. It's all going away again. Is this the last one? And I honestly, you know, because when we both did that last show, as it turned out, inside, at, in, and I say the last show, inside, right now, if you want to go to Florida and perform inside every single day, you can. <laughs> so there are inside gigs I, happening. I get the Throw emails from him. West Palm Beach Improv or Comedy something. Yeah, they yeah. keep sending me free tickets. I'm like, uh, not yet. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just the way we're treating. It's like not, not everywhere. Uh, so, but I, I didn't know on that seller gig that that was my last one. And you know what I think back about that gig, Mike, I think that it was just okay. That haunted yeah. me for quite a few months. <laughs> I do. Me too. <laughs> well, you can't win I them remember, all. You know? I remember Artie Fuqua was on stage, one of the last shows <laughs> and he took someone's scarf off of them and put it on him. And was like dancing around with it and whatever, you know, doing his like, you know, such an animated host. And he really does have a way to get the crowd like really up. And uh, then he brought me up and I'm like, get that goddamn scarf away from me. I'm like, that's just (laughs) a tissue. That's a tissue that you wear. I'm like, we're in a pandemic and he's he's doing I'm like, get away from me. And Mm -hmm. I was freaking out to the look, you live in New York long enough and you're like, you see things, you see a rat eat a pizza and then a pigeon eat a rat and a new bug form out of, you know, like it took a wrong turn out of a child's nightmare and landed in Chelsea. You're like, one of these days, something's going to wipe us out. Like this was coming. Oh yeah. 
you know, oh, yeah. like this was bound to happen. And then when it happens, you're like, okay, well, here it is. And I was not prepared. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, the vermin version of a turducken is basically happening all the time. <laughs> That's incredible. That the vermin turducken. <laughs> Holy shit. That's brilliant. That See, that makes brilliant. me so happy you said that. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Please write that down. <laughs> we were t- we were talking about going back through all our podcasts and just picking out the you know the nuggets, the things that we learned the most or made us. A- this is definitely going to be one of those. <laughs> Vermin Vermintertucken. Oh, Teal, I will oh, tell you, you that. that when I lived in the East Village, there was one time I was walking out. It was one of the most beautiful moments, followed by one of the most god awful moments. It had just snowed a pretty decent amount the night before. And I'm walking to get a coffee and it's like New York City, eight in the morning, winter. It's nice. There's a coat of fresh snow. Mm -hmm. And I see across the street, little like wiggling in the snow, like a little, you know, something's happening. And I'm like, oh, what's that? Is there a kid on the other side of that snowbank? Like, you know, no. Making a snowman? No, it was a rat the size of a travel mug, jumps out of the snowbank, runs across the street and leaps into another snowbank. And I'm like, all the snowbanks are just filled with rats in the city. <laughs> like, what is it? Put a silk hat on a pig. You know, like, it's this beautiful coating. And it's like, oh, that's you just You see trash. someone run by in a trench coat that's just rats stacked up on each other. It's not a person. <laughs> It's rats wearing a person head. You know, I Googled that when it was like uh, after it, like New York had just emptied out. And I was like, wow, all these cities just like the downtowns emptied out. I wonder what the rats are like, you know, and I just hit it on oh, YouTube. And? Holy crap. Yeah, rats are forming man. punk bands and it was doing all something. types of shit. The rats I, were angry. Their food supply went way yeah. down. They turned on each other. I mean, we knew that was happening. Yeah, but they they were less scared of people, animals. Every, you know, they're like, it's like the cartoon where your friend turns into a smoking turkey, cooking turkey. You know? <laughs> yeah, right, you're, right. <laughs> you're starving. Yeah, and the you tongue just rolls fresh. out. Um, I I heard something about in Queens. There's like killer squirrels now, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Something that's going on. What? Squirrels are attacking people in Queens or something because they they also have like their garbage. Uh, well, there's plenty of garbage. There's just no restaurant food, I guess, left around. Is that the point? Like, I because, guess. I don't want to think yeah. about it. I don't With miss all that. Of us, no. No, there's, I mean, there are plenty of things I don't miss. And, you know, just on the topic of, like, New York, uh, the grossness of New York, I also kind of got used to. Now, I've, I've, again, I mentioned this a few times, but just to put in context, I feel it's necessary. I've, I have a little kid, so my life is all, often through the lens of, like, oh, it's because I have a little kid that I would all winter. I basically would just have a cold. And part of that is doing live shows. I thought part of that too, was having a little kid. So, um, so far this winter, no sinus problems. (laughs) Oh, lucky you. So, um, so, and I, and I just go, Oh yeah, because it was in it, my kid's still around, but we're just not interacting with people and we are, you know, washing our hands all the time too. So it's just like, well, now we know how to deal with that. (laughs) I have a two-year-old and a five-year-old and, um, Oh yeah. Yeah. In a year. I mean, they'd get sick 20 times. I mean, you know, runny nose. Oh yeah. Disgusting. uh, 
two times, and one of them was COVID. <laughs> so, like, you know, really, I could just say, like, one time, I was like, well, that's a silver lining for sure. Because they're just absolutely, like, I have a five year old, and yeah. like, no, nothing. It's crazy. So you're just like, well, that's that's no no deeper science needed there. Not at all. <laughs> and you, I mean, I think about some of the things in New York where, you know, it's that winter time. This one thing would always happen where it's like you're getting ready for shows. First of all, O'Teal, when you're living in New York City, you can't control your the temperature of your apartment. It's nope. either oh, uh-uh. four million degrees I mean, the, the building has like one thermostat and it's, it's controlled either, by the state. It's either on I mean, or that's off. how it feels. It feels like there's a totalitarian <laughs> state that is like. <laughs> Trump is controlling every, the thermometer. <laughs> every single night in New York, I wake up freezing cold and boiling hot all at the same time. And you have to like open your window a crack or else you literally are in a sauna. So you take a shower to get ready to go do shows. Your apartment is 10 million degrees. So you never fully dry off. You put on your clothes, you run downstairs, you run to the train, you break a sweat. It's cold, but you're sweating and you get into the train and you're panting because you're running with a jacket on. So you're sweating and then you get onto the train and you're breathing in everybody's farts and burps and shit. And then you're on the train for 15, 20 minutes. You get off, you walk up in through everybody's gross filth, and then you get onto the street level and it's ice cold and all your sweat dries cold on you, freezes. Then you walk into the comedy club where there's nowhere ever to put a coat, nowhere ever to put a coat. So you take your jacket off and just kind of like ambiguously toss it towards a pile which it ends up on the ground and everybody's kicking it and whatever. And you go do your set and you're kind of like, am I cold? Am I hot? Am I sweating? Am I freezing? Am I, 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 I just would, it got to a point where I would just like arbitrarily just take Advil <laughs> before I would go to, I just had like a cocktail of Advil, vitamin C, zinc, microdose oh, of mushrooms and just be like, too. Elder, like whatever was happening to like elder flower, no elder flower berry, elderberry. I got into that. Uh, you know, just like all, all of everything. And, and you're right. It's just like going to clubs. I mean, and literally I remember someone like kicking my jacket because the there worst. was, there's no, there's no locker rooms. We have nothing. We literally have nothing. nothing. I've seen comics go up on stage with their shit and just I, make a I'm pile. I'm doing that from now on. Just taking my purse. <laughs> I mean, it was always like, where am I putting my, my purse? I don't know. why. And, and now, thankfully, I say, why do I have a purse? Why? I don't need this. <laughs> oh, my God. Why do I need all these things. Do you feel like New York is, so did you come from Canada directly to uh, Manhattan? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Are you here for, are you a New Yorker through and through now or have you had any uh, Mm -hmm. thoughts on maybe getting out? So I've had plenty, I've been here now almost 20 years. So it, it is, it is the longest I've lived anywhere in my life, which is wild to think about. And I feel like that is not, so much about how great New York is. It is really that New York is so hard that it took me so long to just get the basics. And now I'm like, can I have these for a little while, please? <laughs> so true. I just got them. 
Uh, and so, uh, you know, over the course of the last four years politically, of course, every last person is like, oh, at least you have an out. At least you have an out. Like, you know, Canada is basically, you know, the uh, a parent's basement where we can all crash if when we lose our job. Like, I, it's so funny the way it is looked at. The room above uh, the garage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like a guest room. Um, and then when the pandemic started, of course, like now, Every city in Canada also is under lockdown and it's, you know, it's not like it, there's nowhere to escape. You can go to the middle of nowhere. I guess that would be an escape, but you have to find a way to get your goods and services. Uh, does Jeff Bezos deliver there? I don't know. So but, <laughs> it might but take for, two days. It might take two days. <laughs> but in the beginning, it did seem like Canada was enjoying pretty much everyday life. Uh, with some restrictions that everyone was compliant to, and America was uh, just a mess. Uh, and so I did think about going there. And my son has a Canadian passport and an American passport. I have a Canadian passport, uh, American green card. My husband just has an American passport. So there was also sort of like, how would this work? Uh, and then it turns out just by getting up and moving to another country is kind of a huge deal. Sick. It's not easy. <laughs> you, you, you can't just do that. Like, if, uh, I mean, I guess as a single person, if I was just a single person with like a backpack, it would be much easier. Uh, but yeah, it's there's a lot of things that make it. Uh, yeah, you have to change your life completely. So I didn't. I stayed, and everyone just kept talking about how New York is dying. Uh, and honestly, I was like, keep that publicity pumping out there. Let's keep the, keep it up. Keep it up. Because I don't. No. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Just everyone. It's dying. That's right. It's terrible. Great. Fine. Goodbye. Oh, all you millionaires. You don't want to invest in more Outback Steakhouses. Sounds good to me. <laughs> no more Chick-fil-A's <laughs> on this block. No more uh, yeah, skyscrapers full of empty apartments. Okay. I mean, that is the truth. And people joke around in like a lighthearted way how the Upper East Side and Tribeca and all these neighborhoods that are extremely wealthy are empty because everyone just was like, well, I'll just wait it out in my whatever home, whatever other home. One of my, one of my homes that has a season as a first name. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was, I mean, my I don't autumn, know. My autumn retreat. Up in, Mike, up I, in Connecticut. I, Mike, I know this is a podcast, but I have to point out that you look like you're in a basement. You have a, a recessed ceiling, which would tell me that it's a lower level, which yes. means you have a basement, which then leads me to believe that you're not in New York. I'm not. I'm, I got out. Detective Eisenberg right here. Yeah, on the case. <laughs> I got to switch my background. I got to do one of those Aurora Borealis back here. No, for a, for a good portion of my career, I lived separate from my wife. And I think I talked to you about this maybe at times where, cause she's a, a nurse practitioner and I would do comedy and write for the TV show. So I got a place in Queens and she was up in new England. So I would kind of cruise back and forth, which I have to tell you, you accompanied me on those drives. Cause I would binge listen to ask me another oh. on NPR. And so nice. you were the host and I knew you and I, I love you. So I'm like, this is so neat. It's like a friend is in the car with me. Um, but I would cruise back and forth quite a bit in the middle of the night. And uh, 
when this happened and my wife being in healthcare, I wanted mm. to be there for her. We had a, again, like you said, and in March, we didn't know what this was. We didn't yeah. know if this was just going to be a couple weeks. Remember OTO, the pandemic was like, all right, it'll be over in like the warm weather, whatever. Nobody had a clue. And I was like, do you want me home with you? Do you want me to? And she's like, well, if I get it, I don't want to give it to you. We thought it was like a th- snowstorm. I know. And uh, I packed what I could. I got back to her and I stayed there. And I it was the first time her and I lived together in like full time lived together in or so and that was something where it was like I started to think about quality of life and started thinking about the road and thinking about all these other and I couldn't afford an apartment in New York and a place in you know Connecticut and whatever else and I'm just like screw this and I got rid of my apartment in Queens and we're here and I'm, I'm not far from the city still hop skip and a jump out so it's not that big a deal but for now it's like I'm really enjoying uh that just having been yeah. here for her when she gets home things have things switched because like she'd be home when i got off the road and i'd be like i'm tired i don't want you know like i just want to kind of decompress and now she comes home from work and my tail's wagging and i'm sitting at the screen door with you know like come talk to me throw Hi. a ball throw a ball in my direction you know <laughs> and she's like just leave me alone i gotta go take a shower or whatever but yeah so i'm 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 living a different life for sure, but I think I needed it. Like I, yeah. there was something inside of me that was like, go near the woods, like just get the hell outside. It saved me. I mean, really, I, I, I don't know how, and, and, you know, you said it earlier and we all have to be thankful for however, you know, success or whatever you want to call it that we had. There are people that just moved to New York the right. weekend of the pandemic that are living in a windowless apartment in Brooklyn somewhere and in a basement and they can't get back to their family and they can't get back to, and you know, so, well, I mean, this is, I'm this is a joke. I'm prep this best way to tell a joke, by the way, is to start off by saying this is a joke. Um, as we know, as comedians, this is a a tool of the trade. I don't know if you read this in the beginning of the Steve Martin book, but, uh, (laughs) I don't mean this, (laughs) but I, I, I think it was June that I, uh, my neighbor introduced me to her cousin who had just moved to New York. And I, you know, cause she had this, I, she's going to NYU. She had this dream of moving to New York. This is when she was planning on moving there for uh, dorms, which I think changed drastically in terms of uh, those being open or not, but it was still her dream. And she moved to New York, like, which was for all intents and purposes, like on fire. And she was kind of obliviously optimistic about it. And I said, I was like, well, where did you move from? And she said, Baltimore. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is better. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, actually, I really like Baltimore, not to shit that hard on Baltimore. But Baltimore Uh, is like, that is definitely a city that has a few fires happening in it. uh, You know, uh, my friend who lives there says that the unofficial uh, tourist tagline is uh, Baltimore. There's more than murder. (laughs) (laughs) watching the wire i was just like oh man right Uh, you know and i'm from up that way i'm from dc so it's not like i didn't know but yeah it was like wow 
Yeah. So then I was just like, oh, maybe she is enjoying New York. But yes, all these people moved to New York. All these people moved to New York for school because they were just thinking like what I thought. My birthday was last week. And I remember starting to see that people were talking about not, not being able to celebrate an occasion. And I kept thinking, well, by January, I'm going to have a party. <laughs> I was so yeah, desperate. Right. I was so desperate. I actually posted on my own social media, happy birthday. <laughs> not even kidding. He's like, this is not a joke. <laughs> and then you liked it. And then you liked yeah, it. Yeah. And I waited for more likes. Like a super needy person. Yes. Ridiculous. <laughs> did you watch The Social Dilemma? Yes, I did. Thanks. I mean, yeah. I mean, it it made me... I, I immediately thought I have to delete everything. Uh, but then I also thought as stupid entertainers that we are... Like a, this is this is the only way to get things out there. This is this is the only way to interact uh, with people. There are some times where you, I'm sure you've both had this numerous numerous times, where someone comes at you with something nice or helpful that you're like, I would have never been able to connect with you in any other way if it wasn't for this. So it sucks you back in. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it is a dilemma. I think the dilemma is uh, perfect. It's hard because yeah, our kids are dealing with it and it's oh. our fault because, you know, we used it to try to buy some time to, okay, we can actually cook this meal without burning it or we could get yes. this done, just need five minutes and then it sucks them down. And then we're also on it. So they're watching us. So Nigel's calling me out where you're on yours and I'm like defending myself. I'm like, yeah, but mine's educational and I don't have to look at it. I'm just listening to a podcast and it's like, you're making excuses, O'Teal. So then it's like, it's a war. I mean, cause I have a full, and now Kavi who's three is like addicted and I'm like, wow, YouTube is really something so yeah. it's just at war with it and trying to get them outside and trying to pull mine back and you know it's it's something negotiating it it's different it really does make me kind of uh nostalgic for the old programming because you know you just had we said we watched too much television but it wasn't like they could click and then go to the next thing and then it was it was still trying to sell you stuff but you had oh, yeah. to wait. It was still you know? dirty and awful in its yeah. own way. But now it's like exponential. And I'm like, oh, God. So I turned, my I kept Looney Tunes from my kids for yeah. a long time wow. because a lot Brutal. of the humor goes over their heads. It's like the adult humor. And the part they get is just the violence. And I was like, fine, just give me Roadrunner. And, you know, at least <laughs> Nigel pointed out, oh, What's it? the coyotes? He is always trying to be bad, and that's why bad stuff. I was like, exactly. Remember, I was trying to teach you about karma. I was like, you know, <laughs> I'm just trying to get him back onto the old violent shit. You know, <laughs> duck season, wabbit season. That's like, whoa, yeah. just blasting each other's heads off. I'm Jerry, <laughs> and then never dying, coming right back. That was that's something right. that my mom used to. Um, like my, my mom would got mad when I was a kid because I would kill when I was playing with like my got my G.I. Joe's or whatever. Like I'd go, I'm going to kill you for the rest of your life. That was like a thing I always would say as a kid to my dolls. Like one oh, would say to yeah. the other or my little guys. I can't really call them dolls. And uh, 
one shooting one and what, you know, but then he would die and then I'd bring him back to life. And she was like, for some reason that pissed her off to the point where it was like, you don't come back. You don't, when you die, you die and that's it. And I think she was worried that I thought because of cartoons and because of whatever else that like, you know, you were- the guy would die 30 times. You shoot yourself in the face and all you got to do is just like turn your beak back and you're back right. to normal. You're back in <laughs> for another really joke. Like yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I find, so, I mean, it's right. Again, the balance, the balance Let's just, I, I, you know, like I said, a crazy optimist for no reason at all. Um, you're Canadian. So because maybe, maybe that's it. It's, it's that I always hope that's, I hate, I hate where I am so much. I'm always hoping for something better. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> I mean, that, that is comedy <laughs> bone marrow right there. Always a but, better gig. I mean, uh, the the fact that you this is your podcast, and probably a year ago you would just hit record on phones, right? You wouldn't do a visual component. I don't know if that's true or not. No, I mean, where, not really. Where we'd no. all talk to each other through Zoom, so seeing each other. We'd be sitting together. Yeah. Right. Right. So now we're doing it all through. Every audio product is like, no, we we do talk through Zoom. At the end of the day, it's just going to be a voice recording ultimately, but we're going to do it through Zoom because, or through FaceTime or whatever, because this makes it so much better. Uh, crazy. The the idea of like my family, honestly, FaceTiming me a year ago, I would be like, why? Did, does someone have something on their face that I need to see? Like it was intrusive. It was like too much. So that's, that's, uh, that's gone. That's totally gone. Well, maybe we're being also, easier you, on you ourselves. You can be in the woods in New England, and you can be in Florida, and we can all pretend for an hour that we're in the same place. Absolutely, we're all right. in hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the opposite. I was like, we're all in our little comfy zone. We're That's in what the makes love us a good podcast, Otil. <laughs> <laughs> right, that is that is the back and forth right there that you see. Yeah, I, don't, I did say to my son, too, because we were just describing to him about the five channels. I mean, that's a little bit of a hyperbole. We ha- I had more than five channels growing up, but just like the the idea that there wasn't like a gazillion channels and that uh, definitely that I had to wait for something, my show to be on. Yeah, the week Next week. Yeah. yeah. And I couldn't just watch Sesame Street at, you know. Anytime, one fifteen, two twenty. I had to wait for the time, uh, and he loves that stuff. He loves like repeating it back to us. Like you need to have this. <laughs> really? <laughs> he loves it. I mean, the fact that you can like pause live television or rewind live television now is unbelievable. Oh, yeah. We didn't have. You had to record it on a VHS tape, and then rewind it. And I mean. It's insane. I'm still getting over the fact you have to pay for live television. I remember when analog went away, I was like, wow, you took the option away. Like lobbyists did that. How do you like, how did you do that? Like you have to pay for it. And I just monetize everything. Yeah. And, and uh, right with all the news, all the new streaming services, I think like discovery is about to They dropped uh, yesterday. They dropped yesterday and right. So, and they're all paying, right. They're all paying. It's a wow. Good job. Capitalism. 
Sneaky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sneaky, you know, for sneaky. The, for the record, I remember when there was four channels. Four channels? It was ABC, CBS, NBC, and public television. And that was it. You wow. Know? Yeah. And the news was a half hour. And it was always <laughs> about yesterday. <laughs> yeah, right. It was still, it, it, people had time to process and yeah, contextualize. I mean, we, we knew it wasn't going to be about today. We knew yeah. it was all yesterday. Like, you know, uh, that's crazy. I mean, that was another thing that I will say that uh, all all of these years of New Year's resolutions, I have said, you know what, I just, I have to read the newspaper more. I need to be more informed. I should know more than I do. I'm, I'm embarrassed, especially honestly about American uh, politics and news because I didn't grow up with it. And I just, I just don't know it. I just don't know it. Uh, so, and then this year happened and I was like, I watched 12 votes being counted. Like I know the names of people and like, I should not know. Nobody should know these I names. Know. No one ever did know these names. Nobody ever knew these names, nor should <laughs> I know. I, it's, no, when I, you I, start I, deleting stuff, you realize, hey, I don't really need it. It's just what you said before. I don't need it that much. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. balancing that stuff out. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's just too much. It's just yeah well that's the thing my it's like my new year's resolution from last year you know be more up on current events you know how that played out it played out like take breaks from the news like i had to actually tell myself to not look at stuff in order to keep my sanity uh and to get some anything done getting things done i don't think i actually got anything done p.s did i get anything done i don't think so well you came up with a pretty good premise about uh turducken of of <laughs> Vermin turducken. I mean, I'm going to hold you to that. That better be in your next hour. <laughs> Speaking of, though, you have your your work. You, you've got a project on, on Hulu that you're a part of, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. There I is actually, good stuff on streaming services. There is good stuff on streaming services. And uh, yeah, it was tr- it was so nice to get called to do something. I'll tell you. <laughs> to actually work was incredible we didn't we didn't even know what to do it was a weird covid set uh covid not like a covid set uh super it was a super spreader event uh no they just there was so much protocol that really you know you were separated a lot and um everyone tried to uh there just wasn't as much interaction i never saw the bottom half of so many people on that set's face. I probably could not recognize them. Everyone was slightly anonymous because of that. Uh, But, you know, it was unbelievable to sit there and crack jokes with a few people in real time. It was just like, again. Deserve it. You're hilarious. (laughs) No, you really are. And and you're a a pleasure to talk to and see. And I can't wait till we could bump into each other again. I mean, that's the thing I think I miss the most is the, and I've said it before, beating a dead horse at this point uh, with this topic. But when we would be in our circuits at night running from place to place, it was always so nice to see certain people where like you're in a city, but you are in our, we were in our own city within it. So you're coming from, that's right. you know, uh, Gotham to the cellar and I'm heading from the cellar to stand up or whatever. And we're kind of running into each other and it's, how was your night? How was your sets? See you tomorrow, whatever. And it, and that, yeah. that part 
I genuinely miss. I see people I know now and I'm just like, oh my God, you're still here? We're still here? <laughs> like this is, I'm like touching the screen. Like, is it real? Or is I know. <laughs> so. I know. And, you know, it does make me, uh, it does make me think that I was, once you do stand up for a bunch of time too, you stop hanging out maybe as much as yeah. you used to because you're running around to spots, you have responsibilities. And I have thought, oh, maybe I'd hang out more again. Yeah. Than the. I can't wait to hang, we'll hang out, out with a lot of we'll people that we've met on this podcast, like you, Ophira. I mean, I, there's so many people that I have never met before, you know, our tech, Eric, you know, like, I mean, I've never met, met him, him, obviously, but we haven't hung it. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to hang in person with all these people that now I have made friends with and had, you know, right. pr- have some a pretty deep conversation. Have a dinner or a coffee or a beer? Like, what? Oh, I know. <laughs> All right. Goals. That's 2021's goals. Those goals. are realistic. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, right. We could do that. <laughs> Dan, thank you. Thank you so much for hanging with us. And uh, for, for all the listeners, can you tell everybody where they can find all things Ophira? Yeah, yeah, sure. All things Ophira. Uh, on the socials, you can follow me. Well, the only social that matters is I'm at Ophira on Venmo. <laughs> and who cares about everything else right right totally <laughs> uh no i'm at ophira e on everything else and if you want to check out ask me another which is a comedy trivia show you can go to wherever you find a podcast it's an npr show called ask me another and uh also you can check out the new hulu show called up early tonight proud of you thank you so much thanks, for Mike. being here and uh thanks everyone for listening check out ophira you'll come back and hang again with us Anytime. Anytime. Yes. Until the pandemic ends. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then we're not talking. No, <laughs> Everyone's After friends the pandemic, now. it's more like, ding dong, I'm here. <laughs> so be careful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening, everybody. See you next week. Peace. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.